As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everyone. I am Melody Ann, founder of Author Nation and your host. Author Nation is a YouTube channel. Most of you know that. But did you know it's also a community of authors just like you, people who want to be successful nonfiction authors? So if you haven't joined yet, go do that now. Uh, AuthorNationTube.com slash join. It's as simple as that. Link is also in the description. Today, we are going to be talking to Mark Hirschberg about his book, The Career Toolkit, and the app that goes with it. Mark Hirschberg is the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant A Million Corals. Let's welcome Mark. Hey, Mark, how are you? doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. And not only do you do all of that, you ballroom dance. How did you fall in love with ballroom dancing? Ballroom dancing was very popular at MIT. We have one of the biggest ah. college clubs. We had one of the biggest and most successful college teams. So I got involved when at MIT socially, socially dancing. And then my girlfriend decided she wanted to compete, which apparently meant I also had decided I wanted to compete. <laughs> But I'm very glad that decision got made because it was one of the best things I ever did. Oh, it sounds like so much fun. I, I, I love that. I'm glad she pulled you into it because there's so much, so much you can, you know, enjoy and, and learning in competitive ballroom dancing, right? And, you know, precision and hard work, so much. Okay, let's, let's get into it. You've actually had a really varied career. And I find that really exciting. And whenever I meet someone who's had this huge career, my question is always like, what's been your favorite? 
Oh, it's hard to say because I love building companies and scaling companies. And there have been some really interesting projects, but mm -hmm. the teaching that I do, the mm -hmm. impact that I have, it is such a great feeling, especially when I'm with my students, it's very interactive, I'm not just lecturing at a whole group of them. So I can see the light bulb go on as I'm teaching them. And that's just such a great feeling. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely get that. <laughs> so what were you doing when this particular book came along, The Career Toolkit? What, where were you and where did this idea kind of come into your life? I've been teaching this class at MIT for 20 years. Now, these are skills, leadership, networking, negotiating, communication, universal skills that companies have said, these are the skills we want, but traditionally are never actually taught to us. And so we created this program at MIT. I've been teaching there ever since. And for years, I was pushing MIT. I said, look, we pioneered open online courseware. Let's take what we have. Let's put online for others. Let's share it with other schools. Let's even give our students some notes. Because as I mentioned, it's not us lecturing at them. It's interactive activities. So they're not taking a lot of notes. And I know students, you just... As soon as you're done with this, you move on to the next thing. Yeah. If you don't have notes, it's not going to work. So I yeah. thought, okay, for years I was encouraging them to do this. And for various reasons, they didn't have the time and resources to do it. I thought, let me just write up some notes. I'm going to write up 20 pages of notes. Well, 20 pages became 40, became 80. And once <laughs> it passed 100, I said, I think this is a book. And that's how it was born. I love that. And I, I see why it mattered to MIT and to the students. Um, but of all the books you couldn't could have written, why did this matter to you, to you personally? You would think, given my background, multiple science and engineering degrees, that's what I would do. And if you had asked me 20 years ago, I'd say, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be some technical book. In fact, I had looked at doing some software engineering books. I have a manuscript for one that ultimately never got published. Uh, I might do something with it. But there were even seeds of this book in that one because I talked mm -hmm. not about the technical part of software engineering, but about project management, interviewing. I wanted to cover networking, but didn't quite fit in. And so there was something there. And it's because I know the value of these skills. And that's what's driving me. Yeah. Now, they came out of a, a, a program for students. So is this a book for people at the beginning of their career? It is all around. It is mm -hmm. not just for people right out of their career. And although the impetus, those first notes were for the students, this isn't simply, this is that class as a book. There's other things in there that we don't have a chance to cover during the class. But if you think about the skills, networking, are you at a point in your career where you say, I wish I was better at networking? Then this book is for you. Do you want to get better at leading? Do you want to get better at hiring people? We never teach people how to hire other people. We teach you how to be a candidate as an interviewee, not as an interviewer. So if any of the skills resonate, this book is helpful. And that does bring up a challenge, as you, you're kind of alluding to, which mm -hmm. is credibility <laughs> is what's taught at MIT. And so I very much have to emphasize when I go on shows, this is not just for students. We've had people in their 40s, 50s, 60s get value from the book. It's not just for engineers. But that's a challenge for nonfiction authors. When you have credibility here, mm -hmm. but you're maybe doing a broader area or a different space, you need to be able to offset that. And I was very conscious in the examples in the book. They are not just from engineering or startups or my field. 
I intentionally brought from multiple fields to make it feel universal, which it is. Yeah. So what are some of the subjects? Like, tell us these, like, tell us a bit about the book. Really, I'm asking about the structure, but I'm, I'm, I'm hiding the question in what are the important topics <laughs> that, uh, that you're covering? Let me actually address kind of how I thought about it. And I'll mention what yeah. they are because it began as these notes. It wasn't a comprehensive book. And often they teach you, you start high level. What's the ultimate objective? And, and then you go down, you start top and go down and fill it in. But in fact, this was a bottom up approach. I was traveling a lot, so I'd be on a plane and think, well, I've got an hour. Let me just bang out some notes here. And literally, I would imagine I'm in front of my class as we're doing some of the discussion. Okay, these are the questions I get. This is why I say I'm just typing away. So it was this hodgepodge of notes. I said, all right, well, that's once it became a book, I said, all right, now I need structure. And I said, well, okay, I know we didn't just pick these willy nilly. So the 10 skills, they're broken into three sections. Section one, careers, creating and executing a career plan, mm -hmm. working effectively, things like managing your manager, interviewing, and specifically from the manager side, because that's the part we don't teach. Mm -hmm. Section two, leadership and management. I break that down to leadership, people management, process management. Section three, interpersonal dynamics, communication, mm -hmm. networking, negotiation, ethics. And there's a brief intro and a brief epilogue. Now, here's the thing. I wrote it kind of hodgepodge. And I thought about how do I put this together? What I realized, I know people need these skills. This could be 10 books. No one's going to read 10 books. So these are the starting points. Each chapter stands alone. And that's one of the reasons it's called a toolkit. You can open the book, go right to chapter eight, pick up what you need. Say, okay, that's good enough. Come back later for chapter two. You can use it as you want but they all build upon each other. I will cross-reference a little. So it's not a book where I had some comprehensive top-down, here's the through line. It's mm -hmm. here are 10 standalone skills, grab each as you need, see how they reinforce each other when you're ready for that level. Yeah, I love books like that because you get to dip in and out. You know, it's it can sometimes be really challenging to read a book from front to back when you're a busy professional, but books where you can like today I need networking, dip in. Today I need leadership, dip in. I love that. That's that's fabulous. Um, you did allude to this and I've noticed on your website and other places you speak about ethics a lot. Uh, so this is this is the obvious leading question, but you know, are we lacking ethics in the workplace? Is this why you are so intent on on talking about this? Yes. Now <laughs> these skills, these ten, I didn't just dream them up. These came from surveys done at MIT and other universities of companies saying these are the skills we want. So there's mm -hmm. research behind why we picked them. Now ethics is on that list, but honestly, I feel like it's bottom of the list for most companies. And in my own experience, I have seen time and again, ethical lapses. My editor, when going through the book actually said, I can feel your passion in this chapter. You seem really committed to this. And that definitely, it, it flowed in a different way. I might've gotten a little bit on my soapbox, but I felt very strongly. And I am disappointed that when you read books on leadership or management or general businesses, they don't even mention ethics. I think that's a problem. Yeah, you know, and and I don't I don't work in corporate. Sometimes I work for corporate, but I don't work in corporate, and so I don't have that in corporate experience. Uh, but a long time ago, when I actually had a job, didn't work for myself. I remember working for a place that had a, what I call a CYA 
uh, culture, right? <laughs> cover your, um, you know, cover your butt culture. Um, is that is is that still prevalent? Then we're not as open and and team oriented. We're still self protective. And is that where our ethics break down? Well, there are some of those companies, but mm -hmm. I think it's more severe than that. Now, in some cases, I've seen outright sexual harassment, just mm -hmm. black and white. In fact, the guy, the particular case that was most common, I've seen other cases that start to get gray and dubious where there wasn't a complaint, but this was just black and white. And what the guy said, he didn't even deny it. He just said, he, he found his explanation for why he shouldn't be held accountable for it. And no jury in the world would possibly accept this, but it was his state of, I'm not responsible here. We yeah. see other more minor things. So for example, most companies have a policy when you're out and traveling, we reimburse for lunch, for example, for your meals, but no alcohol. Right. And yet I've seen, oh, well, we'll just say a client was with us. I've seen that happen. I've seen, oh, well, it's an executive. And so all of a sudden, instead of the, let's say, $50 meal limit, you go out and that's a $150 meal limit. And the executives seem to have this other standard, even though it's not explicitly stated in the proposal. Technically, they could. They say, oh, we're executives. Some companies, executives fly first class. But let's be upfront about that. But they just say, well, you know, I approve my own expense account, so I'll just do it. And right. so we see these little things. Then you get ethical issues, for example, we're seeing it especially with technology. And so we're seeing t challenges. We're seeing when people try a business, what impact does it have? Actually, here's a non-technical one. There's a, a company that when you bought a pair of shoes, they would give a pair to a developing region. Yes. You may not need shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I don't know the specific name. It may not be the one you're thinking of because there's multiples who do this. Mm -hmm. well, that's great. Except for the cobbler. The cobbler was not happy with this because the cobbler lost all his business. Yes. Now, you yeah. could say, well, on whole, one person's harmed, but most are better off, and this is a good thing. And there's a fair argument for that. You could say, well, maybe you should then do something to help the cobbler. Do you have an obligation to do so? Yes or no. And when we think about the secondary and tertiary effects to our customers, to our community, to the environment, these are the questions that we need to grapple with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in there. It's like, who are you harming? Did they ask for this? I see that a lot in companies that want to give things away. It's like, well, did the people receiving them ask for them? Or are you making assumptions about how grateful they should be? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, so if, if I, if I buy your book, moving on, if I buy your book um, in the store, what's the promise that you're making to me as the reader? that you will get immediately actionable tips that you can use to improve your outcomes, to increase your overall success. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, and I had to move on from the, ethic, from the ethics and entitlement piece because we could we could spend a whole show just talking about that. <laughs> I, had, I had to cut myself off for that because I was I had 10 more questions. Uh, I actually really want to jump into the app because this is, I, I have to say, I had people emailing me this morning, what's the link? I don't want to miss this. And people are really, really, lots of nonfiction authors are really interested in this idea of an app. So let's just start a little bit at the beginning. How, why did you decide to create an app for your book? 
Now, I am lucky that I have this unique combination of technology. I'm a CTO, a chief technology officer. I have worked in media in some of my roles, and I've been educator for many years. So I have this great intersection at the center of that Venn diagram. I wasn't planning on making an app. I was speaking one day to my neighbor. She's a marketer. And we were talking about the book as is under development. And she said, oh, you should build an app. I said, oh, okay, great. What should the app do? I don't know. Build an app. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So helpful. If only she told me you should sell lots of books. I didn't think about putting that on my list. All right. So she said, build an app. I'm like, well, that's not very helpful. But I started thinking about it. I started thinking about what is useful. What would an app do? Obviously, you can take the PDF and wrap in an app, and no one wants that. Doesn't mean, yeah. doesn't mean it. That was good in 2003, maybe. Okay, so what do we want to do? Well, ultimately, as authors, our job is not to sell paper. It's not to sell words. Our job is to change how our readers think, feel, and act. That is our job. Now, the medium of the book, paper or electronic or whatever you do, that's just a means of transference. You might also do it through speaking, as many authors do, through coaching, through other means. We are trying to change behavior. Now, here's the thing about a book. You read the book, you go, okay, this is great. And now I take notes on a lot of books I read. Most people don't. And so you read the book and you go, great, and you put it down, and then you forget most of it three weeks later. That is not great for the reader or for the author. I said, okay, we need to combat this. We need to do something. I wish there was a way to, to take notes, to include notes. I, I guess I could give people notes, but no one's going to look back on notes. We know with learning, there's a technique called spaced repetition. You keep looking back. It's when you read the chapter and then you look back a couple times before the test and that helped you retain it. Another version of this is flashcards. I thought, well, flashcards. Well, there are flashcards out there but no one's going to create flashcards. Even if I give them flashcards, no one's going to open a flashcard app. What if they didn't have to open it? What if I can deliver it to them with no effort? And this was the key insight. So my app, it feels a little similar to a, a flashcard app. I'll explain the details in a moment. The key thing is that it pushes each day to the user. So the way it works, if you went through my book with a highlighter, here's the key point, here's the tip, here's the thing to remember, that's all on the app. And you can use it one of two ways. One is just each day at a time you set, you get a little pop-up with one of those tips. Maybe as you walk into the office, maybe during your lunch break, whenever is good for you, you get that reminder. Or you might say, oh, I'm about to go into a networking event. There are all those great tips. Let me open the app, go to the networking tips and flip through those tips and get that refresher. This was the innovation. I thought someone must have built this. Surely someone came up with this and I'll just <laughs> license it. They did not. So when I discovered this, we filed a patent on it because that whole process of getting the content and ultimately delivering it, delivering it via the push notification, that's what the patent is on, built it for mine. And then author friends said, this is great. I want to do this too. So we're actually launching in a couple of weeks, a version for other authors as well. Because the benefit to readers is that you retain the information. It stays top of mind. And that's what we want them to get. The benefit for authors is they retain the information and it stays top of mind. Are you more likely to recommend to your friend a book you read nine months ago and forgot or a book you're reminded of every single day? And so for authors, it helps keep us top of mind. 
for readers. It helps you retain the information. Everybody wins. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I'm going to ask you about what you have coming up in two weeks in just a second. Uh, if you are on the live stream and you have questions, and I know you do, drop them in the comments and uh, Mark will answer them. If you are watching on the replay, stay tuned because there's a lot more to come. Mark, uh, I did download your app and I just, can I read one of the tips? Please. Do you mind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is, um, this is one of the tips. Even an hour's worth of planning can help you negotiate better. Consider the value of the deal and ask if it's worth an hour of your time to prepare. And when I read that, I thought about uh, promotions and raises. That's what came to my mind. But maybe there was something different you were thinking about for this. That's from the negotiation chapter. Mm -hmm. Now, many of these skills apply in more than one area. And so, yes, this will help you in any negotiation. It might be as we work out a multi-million dollar partnership between our companies or an acquisition. Or it might be when I'm negotiating a raise or a job offer. It applies to any type of negotiation. So yes, this is an example of how those, those tips can go into multiple areas. And in fact, the tips in my app, they each have a category with them. So something that might be multiple categories, you could be flipping through those negotiation tips and you see it's listed negotiation, maybe communication. So you click communication, you're jumping to the communication tips now if that's what mm -hmm. you want. You can also, the other way the app works, categories were very important. You might say, I mentioned my book, you can just focus on one chapter. So I'm just going to read this chapter. Okay, we'll set the tips to only pop up negotiation tips for now. That's what you're focused on. I don't want to distract you. So you can set it to get the content you want. And this is the future of media. It mm -hmm. is not, here is a book. It is, here is the content that you, the user, find valuable when, where, and how you want it. And content creators, we need to take our content and figure out how to deliver it in multiple formats so the user can best get it when, where, and how they want it. Right. So I've heard in answering the question, you know, why should authors have apps? I've heard, you know, de delivering content in a variety of ways, right? Having a, a push notification so that things are falling into their lap rather than having to go look for it. And if they're seeing it every day, they're more likely to recommend your app or your book to another, to another person. Do you want to add to that list? Yes. So those are the core things. Now, additional things we looked at, should this be an individual app or a universal app? And early on, I think it makes sense if you are a big brand, if you're Stephen Covey, you can probably have your own app and get tens of thousands of people to download it. And so we'll eventually support that type of white label version. But for most people, if you have a list of 10,000 people, that means you're getting maybe about 2,000 a month are actually reading what you're, what you're putting on your email list. And of that, if you say download this app, maybe 500 will download it. So it's hard to then justify your own dedicated app if you're only getting a couple hundred people using it. But if you ha if you do what we're doing, like a Kindle version, all the content comes in. You don't have to worry about convincing people to download the app because they already start to have it. It's just downloading your content and we can start doing discovery. We can do things where, well, if you like this, here's what we recommend. So it's a way for people to discover. Obviously, once they have your content, you also can link your social media, your website, they can learn more about you. So this leads them to your site or to a purchase page. So it's going to increase your awareness. We also will have some metrics and you're going to start to see what content 
resonates with the audience. This will be a little further out, not in the first version, but in a, in a few months, you'll start to get those metrics and you can discover, wow, it's like those social media posts. You never know what's going viral. So you're taking your book. You don't know what's resonating with your readers, but when you put together this way, oh, wow, that is what people really seem to like. That's going to help you then in your talks, in your social media, in your future books. This is what to focus on. Brilliant. Okay. So let's, let's, so in two weeks, what is the name of the project that's launching? I have a working name and I don't like it. So if anyone has okay. a good name for this, suggest yes. it. It's coming out under Cognosco Media. So yes. I have my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, and that's for the book. Then there is Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O. I don't yet have it on the website yet, but you can also reach out to me there. And under Cognosco Media, we'll release this new app. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. All right. And so I'm an author. I have a nonfiction book. I go to cognoso.com. Um, Cognoscomedia.com. Pardon me? Cognoscomedia.com. Oh, pardon me. Cognoscomedia, pardon me, .com. Uh, and I want an app. What, what do I do next? So what you'll do, we're going to have a beta early on. You can okay. sign up for it. And in the meantime, if you contact me, I'll add you to the list. You sign up for the beta. And then you can upload your content. We're going to have ways where you can do it through a spreadsheet to make it easy. So you have to hand type everything. Yeah. And you put your content on there. I would encourage you to ask some people to try it out. Share it with some people so they can see, do I like your content? Is it useful? And you can try it for a few months. After we come out of the beta, at that point, we'll start having some type of fees for this. So there may be a credit card down the road, but we're looking at... It's going to be similar to other tools that authors might use. So it's going to be a very low price point. Yeah. So that it's that simple. I can say, hey, I have this content. Here's the book. Here's the content I want in the app. I'm assuming I need to parse that out for you. Like this is my, this is each push notification. I might have 100 or 150 or 400 or whatever I have. And then you put it into an app and it, because it's a group app, as so let's go to the user side the i hate that word um <laughs> it's like i've always disliked that word I, I used to work in tech and i always felt like you know it there's you know there there are other connotations that aren't nice with that word so people who decide to download the app uh they let's get call them to, readers let's call them readers yes um they get to browse through this app and pick 
the books that are that they're interested in and get those push notifications for those books. Is that is that accurate? That's exactly it. It might be a book they already have. In fact, in my book, at the end of chapter one, I say, oh, before you go further, after you read the couple intro pages, be sure to download the app. So I promote it in there. It could also be, you know, I don't know this book, but I heard that person on a podcast or a video. Let me let me check out her book. I'm going to download. I'm going to go through look at some of the content. And now okay. a, a question that we often get, wait a second, you're giving away your content for free? And now this is a choice. I think giving it away, I'm sure someone in the world will say, you know, the price point of Mark's book, uh, that's a little, that's a little expensive for me. I'd rather get it for free. And you know what? If, if it is expensive for you, I am fine with you doing that. For many other people, once they buy the book, again, this will help them retain it, will help the word of mouth. I think I will get more sales doing that. I think I'll get that discovery from that happening. So I'm very liberal in how much I share. But if you don't want to share the whole book, if you just want to do one section, okay, that's that's fine. That's your choice, whatever you're comfortable with. But I go all in. I have a couple hundred different uh, things from the book. You can throw in related content from your blog posts, from interviews you've done, favorite quotes that go along with the theme, whatever fits under the cover of your cover, I think will work. Okay. And, you know, you said something about, you know, giving things away. I find that interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not the type of person who wants to hold on to things. I tend to want to just give them away. Um, and, you know, sometimes I sell them depending on the, the format. Uh, but I think that as content creators, we want to uh, get our content out in many different ways. And, and here's what I'm, I was thinking as you're saying that. If I have this app and I'm getting, you know, like one or two sentence push notifications every day, I've, I don't feel like I'm getting the full thing. I feel like these are teasers and so I don't feel like I'm giving everything away. And as on the other side, as the reader, I'm getting these really amazing tidbits, like taking, you know, your best 100 tidbits and putting them out there. What do I want to do? I want more. How do I get more? I go to your website, I sign up for your webinar, I buy your book, I sign up for your course or whatever that more happens to be. And so I think that uh, authors should think like content creators and should think, okay, here's the app, you know, from the app, they get to do this or that or the other. Um, so yeah, just get, you know, don't be afraid to be generous is I think a really good bit of advice. Now, I'm in the app, I'm the reader, I'm in the app. I don't have the book. I didn't know this person. I just started getting these push notifications because I was curious about the content. Now I decide I really love them. How does the app get me to their book or to their website? With a single click, okay. you'll go right to the link that the author sets. Most likely their website <clears throat> might go if you want to do your Amazon page or a different page instead. But yeah, we're going to help drive traffic to you. Yes, yes. And as I authors out there, as I'm always preaching to you, send them to your owned real estate, right? Not something you're borrowing or leasing or renting. So uh, best send them to your website or your book page on your website, uh, rather than sending them to somebody else's site, because you want them on, you know, I always talk about building your castle and inviting people in, right? And you, you own the castle, it's your castle. Um, excellent. So um, how time consuming is this going to be? For the, for which party? For the, for the author, pardon me, for the author to give all this information and like how, what kind of level of work is this? How time consuming is this going to be? 
the creation of those tips will probably be the most time intensive part in that you have to tease those out. Maybe you know what they are. Maybe, maybe you've been putting them out as your social media post for the past six months. So you've already got them. Or you go through your blog post, just say, okay, what's that one line that takeaway from this blog post or in the section of the book? So however long it takes you to get that content and you put on the server, again, you can, I keep it in an Excel spreadsheet so I can just upload that sheet. Mm -hmm. If you only have a hundred to start, but you know, there's more you want to get, you can, you can go in and you can add it whenever you want. Or you can say, oh, I, I don't like how that quote sounds. I'm going to change it. You can go in and modify it. But once you've created that content, that takes however long it takes to get on the server. So to create your account, fill it out. You'll want to upload your cover. You want to put in the link to your website. We'll ask you for that information. So that's a few minutes of work. Then you're done. Then it's on there. Now, obviously, just like with our books, writing is not where it stops. That's where it begins. You need to tell people about your book. By the way, go look at my book. Go look at my social media. If you put this on there, you're better off telling people saying, hey, guess what, readers? Did you like my book? Do you want to help remember my book? Here's a new tool for you to do that. So you'll probably want to promote it a little. But the effort, aside from teasing out which tips you want, there's no real effort. couple minutes of work. You don't even have to go back to it ever again. You can just let it run on autopilot. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So we have a question. Surgery for Sale is asking... Will there be an affiliate or JV option when you launch this app, Janet? Janet, is surgery for sale? So I guess the question, when you say affiliate or JV, between whom and whom, for what purpose? We are talking with mm. some other companies. Uh, so if you can clarify that question, I'm happy to answer it. And while we wait for you to clarify, so let me just help you think about where this fits in. We know most people don't make money with their book itself. Book sales are not making you rich. When you think about the sales cycle, you start with what's free. And the free is your email list, your social media. You've got the book as that first entry price point for assigning value to you. And then you're probably selling higher price point items, your classes, your coaching, your mentoring, something, something further up, speaking. So on this scale, you've got the free stuff. And this falls in right in that free category of I'm going to give this away, I'm going to entice you, I'm going to hook you, and then we'll help drive traffic so they can buy the book so they can go to that next point. Yeah, okay, excellent. Thank you. Um, so Sergio for sale, Janet is saying, if I use this app for my clients who have books. So if you're a publisher, and this is the question, if you're a publisher, and you are helping sell the app, Will there at some point be an affiliate or a JV opportunity? Yes, I am quite happy to speak with publishers about how we can do that because I would love for you to get this on your books, something you can say to your clients, hey, come with us. We have perhaps a discounted price or we can work out some type of affiliate fee. So very open to that. Excellent. Thank you very much. Another question, um, if, if you have some books but you also have content that isn't in a book. Um, can can people come and use this app even if they don't have a book? Just content creators without a book? Yes, yes, you can. Now we're starting with books and we're, we're saying, here's the book and please upload your cover. We will support other types of content. The next type of content actually will be podcasts 
we're going to do something very similar for podcasters. And many authors also happen to be podcasters. You can imagine other types of content. Now, if you just say, I've got maybe my blog, right now you might have to, we're going to ask you for a cover image. So maybe come up with some image, some visual. It could just be the logo to your blog. It might feel a little off and you're going to have to list it as a book at the moment because we don't have articles as an option. But yes, you can do that today. And you can either wait a month or two till we support other types or do it today, call it a book for the moment and we'll, we'll adjust it. But you can also, I think it's fine. I have a book. I also have a blog when people, they're the consistent brand. So if someone buys a career toolkit book and they get the app and I'm pulling in content from the blog, well, that's great. That's still content I know they care about. So I think yeah. it's fine to put other things under the roof as long as you're brand consistent. If I have a book of one title or one topic really and a blog or a podcast of a totally different subject matter, I think you're gonna get some channel conflict there, but I think what that's totally fine. It doesn't have to be a book. Excellent. Thank you. So I just want to step outside of this just for a minute. And what if I want to create my own app? What's your advice for that? Be very, 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 very careful. Now, I have done technology projects for years. I have run multi-million dollar budgets. You can build an app like this. And to be honest, it's a little easier because you can say, hey, I want an app just like what Mark built. Well, first, if you're doing push notifications, you're violating the patent. So you can't do that part of it. So I want to do this app, but not have the push notifications, just like a flashcard app with it. You can build it. It's going to cost you, if you do it right, it's mm -hmm. probably going to cost you somewhere around five to $8,000. If you do it wrong, you screw it up. You don't get your scope right. The way technical projects go off the rails, it's going to cost you more money. Or you do it for less for two or 3000 and usually get the classic, get what you pay for. I've seen some of those cheap shops. You can yeah. give it a try. If you're going to do that, honestly, I would recommend there are flashcard apps out there because you can't do the push notification. There are flashcard apps out there. and There are even white label flashcard apps. I would go to one of those white label flashcard apps, go to them. That's going to be much cheaper than building your own. Put your content there, put your branding there and give that away. And that's going to be a cheaper option. That's probably going to cost you, uh, maybe it's dollars per month, or maybe it's going to be like a thousand dollar one-time fee. So that's how I would recommend doing it. Thank you. Since we're just, we're throwing out some jargon, can you just differentiate those two words? You're talking about flashcard apps and push notification apps. Can you just clarify that for people? Yeah, a flashcard app, you open it. So think just like those flashcards we had as a kid, you look at the screen and either it has the information or maybe there's a blank and you flip it over. So there are digital versions of that. You can imagine an app that says, you know, when did uh, you know, when did Bill Clinton get elected? I flip it over and go, oh, 1992. Okay, great. Those apps exist and they just want you to put in question, answer, question, answer, slap your logo on it. So those are flashcard apps. What those apps don't do is they don't do that push to your phone. So the key thing about my app, you don't even have to open it or the reader doesn't have to open it. The reader wakes up in the morning, racing off to work. And as she's walking into the office, gets that little pop-up, just like you have a new text message or anything else you get as a notification, you get that, but with the tip. 
And so mm -hmm. that's the thing that's patented. So that's what you won't be able to, to build or get from the others. But if you just want that flashcard functionality and you don't want to use mine, mine will be, I'm sure, competitive with the flashcard apps. Go get a flashcard app and, and do that. Yeah. No, that, thank you for clarifying. Just sometimes people are throwing words out and I know people are interested. And yet, you know, what is the difference between the two? Um, and I just want to mention that Sergio for Surgery for Sale said, I have a book that is based on podcasts. So this sounds ideal. So as you said, authors often also have podcasts. They tend to do both. Um, and so that's uh, that's a good point. Thank you for uh, letting us know what is coming out. Is there anything really important? Will be classes. Sorry. Authors often, authors often have classes where you're yeah. going to support classes if mm. someone wants. And we'll we'll do things in the future where right now when you put on there it is public, anyone mm. can go download it. Later we'll have ways where you can gate it, so you say only people who have signed up for this class can do it. Or if right. you want to do that for your book, you can do that as well. Again, for books, I recommend make it public, get out, because books aren't driving your revenue. But if your classes, you can make it gated. They get a special code. Use that code to then access the content. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Is there anything really important that I, I haven't asked you about that maybe we've missed? There's a bunch of other things we can talk about in terms of the promotion I've done for the book, the branding, other book stuff. But when it comes to the app, I think yeah. we've hit the key points. It is easy to use. We've made this turnkey. So once you get that content assembled, and that I, I can't help you with because it's up to you to decide what and how, but we make it very easy for you to get onto the server. We ask you for basic information that's going to drive them to your social media, to your website, to all of that. And that's there. And then just the key thing, it's turnkey. You don't have to do another thing. It's there. It's working for you month after month. But like your book, you need to promote it. It's not if you build it, they will come. If you build it, you have to tell them about it. So they come. So put the word out. Once you have it up there, mention it on your email list, on your social media, let people know. And you can see the response because we're going to track how many people have installed your content and then we can look in your category. This is this is a little further down. We'll have your data, but we can start to assemble. How are you doing in your category, for example, compared to other books on nutrition or on you know, emotional connection or whatever your topic is? Uh, and this can start giving you some metrics in terms of how you're doing competitively. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. We have a comment from Lise Parton, and she says, I can see this is the way of our future. I can see this as gold for nonfiction writers, less for fiction authors. Well, first, thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And you're right. This is less exciting for fiction. Now, I have a whole talk I do about the future of content. And I talk about this in more detail and this concept and other ways we can do it for nonfiction. For fiction, the short answer is they also want to take the content and use it in other ways. So let's consider some of our favorite fiction, all-time best fiction. Those are titles like Star Wars, Harry Potter. They have leapt beyond the page. I don't just mean movies because movies are just visual books. They're told in that linear order. But then what else do you get? Well, let's just take a, one simple example, action figures. So Star Wars action figures, Harry Potter, I'm sure they're action figures. I was a little old for them. You make up your own adventure. 
it's no longer you have to follow the plot in the book or movie. You can have your own adventure. I certainly played with action figures all around my bedroom, and I made up my own stories. I engaged in taking the world concept, but applying it in ways that I, the reader, wanted to engage with it. And that's the future of fiction. Now, we already do that. Certainly, oh, action figures, brilliant. We know that. We've known that for years. Other things, we have games now. Interactive video games are taking it in more of a choose-your-own-adventure fashion. So we're going to see more of this in fiction as well. I don't think it's going to be this app, but there will be other alternatives for fiction. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, when you said choose your own adventure, I had these memories come to me because I remember loving those choose your own adventure books, but also being disappointed in them at the same time. I kept hoping that they were what I wanted, but they never quite were. Um, and so I would love if they came out with a better version of a choose your own adventure, uh, you know, kind of game or, you know, content that that I would that I would love. Um Mark, uh, where do people get a hold of you? I know that they can find learn more about your career toolkit at career toolkit career toolkit book.com. Um, but where else can we get a hold of you if we want to want to learn more? Sure. So if you go to the career toolkit book.com, that's my book website. And you can certainly get in touch with me there. That's fine. If you want to reach out to me on that website, there's an email and contact page. And if, by the way, you are looking to build your own author website, I, I'm going to be a little arrogant here. I think I have a good one coming from both. I have experience building websites. I also had a great designer, but I spent time looking at author websites to understand the elements that go into it. And so you can, you can rip mine off. That's fine. Author websites are all kind of the same. So feel free to use mine. Now, the other website, the company that's putting out the app, that is Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O media, M-E-D-I-A.com. So if you go to cognoscomedia.com, right now, it just has a contact form. You can use that to get in touch with me. There's also, if you go to the resources page, there is a list of resources. Before I did my book, I read about 1,500 articles on every aspect of publishing. And I saved the 200 or so most useful tax implications, how to pick trim size, how to find an agent, picking colors for your cover. I have them all listed there. So that's a resource for any authors, but we will in a couple of weeks have more information on the app there. But in the meantime, you can certainly reach out to me there or at the Career Toolkit. So Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O media.com. Get in touch with me. I'm happy to talk about your book. If you're interested in doing the beta, I'd love to get more authors involved doing this and uh, love to just answer questions. If you have questions about it or just want to talk about books and their future. Thank you. That's excellent. And I'll make sure that the new website is also in the description as well in the show notes for anyone who's interested. You don't have to sit and try to spell it out right now, but thank you for doing that. I'll, I'll make sure it's in there. It's so much nicer when it's in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for coming today and you know sharing all of this valuable information with us i love uh, interactive books and now you know book apps i think all of this is super exciting and so thank you for sharing your ideas with us today thanks for having me on the show yeah and if you're out there stay tuned next thursday we'll be back with another amazing interview from a non-fiction author or an expert we'll see you then
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.